We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Notre Dame fans, welcome back to the Irish Breakdown Podcast. It is Monday, just normally the recruiting hour, but we missed a show on Saturday, Sean, because you were under the weather. I had a million things to go on. We're like, you know what? Let's call an audible, move this to Monday. So today you're getting the RTCF show with my co-host, Sean Davis, who is a recruiting uh, analyst at Irish Breakdown. My name is Brian Driscoll. I'm the publisher, Sean. And we've got three very interesting topics to discuss today. And topic number one is obviously going to be about recruiting. We are going to dive into sort of the needs left for Notre Dame in the 2023 class, because I think we need to differentiate between what the needs are and what the wants are and which players they've lost recently that were wants and which players they lost that were needs. And we'll kind of give the latest on where things stand with all those recruits. We will dive into our team topic is what are the biggest obstacles to Notre Dame competing for a championship? I just I still can't believe some people actually think this team might go eight and four. I mean, we're going to dismiss all that noise, uh, you know, because just like we dismissed it last year when we heard it, just like we dismissed it in 2020 when we heard it, just like we dismissed it in 2019 when we heard it. That's just not where this program is. And we'll talk about the three things that we think are obstacles to them taking the next step as a program, which is getting to the postseason, getting into the college football playoff and winning a game or two, which is the ultimate goal at Notre Dame. And then our final topic is more expansion talk, obviously. The, the, the conversations about expansion have not really slowed down. Uh, I'm going to be going on the radio in Texas later today. I just did a spot on the local TV channel. Everybody still wants to talk about expansion. And, I, you know, Sean, you and I have discussed a lot. There's a lot of misunderstandings, even within the Notre Dame fan base, of just where Notre Dame is right now. So we're going to dive into that as well. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So, Sean, uh, let's get it going. We're going to start with recruiting. Cool. And Notre Dame right now has either the number one or number two ranked class in the country. They're, they've been kind of jockeying with Florida, with Ohio State here now for the last month. Ohio State picked up a big commitment this weekend in Jason Moore. A lot of people have asked, what went wrong? What did I do wrong? Hey, sometimes guys just make other choices. You do everything right, and another place is a better fit. And I think in that instance – uh, that is the case with it, with him, you know, but Notre Dame's got another big decision coming up on Friday from Jaden Greathouse, which, which we'll, we'll dive into here in a little bit, but you know, the, the key is Sean is maximizing the potential of this class moving forward. And what does that entail? And that, and to properly understand where this class needs to be, there's, there's gotta be an understanding of what is a want and what is a need. Notre Dame wanted to get up to 25 to 27 people because they wanted to load up. They wanted to load up with certain positions where they were in a good place with certain kids. You know, maybe get a fifth receiver, maybe get a sixth lineman, maybe get a fifth defensive lineman. Positions that weren't necessarily needs, uh, but once. And so, obviously, some of those aren't going to happen. You know, obviously, Mike Atiz picked Arkansas, Jason Moore picked Ohio State, and that can sometimes be the challenge when you are kind of loaded at a position already. <laughs> you know, like you know, convincing Monroe Freeling to be lineman number six is a, a, a can be a tough task. So. Let's dive into the need, Sean, and and, and we'll, we're we're not going to talk about the most important one first. We'll talk about that last, and that's quarterback, because yeah. I do think it's a very important position in this class. They have to get a quarterback some way, somehow, and it's got to be a guy that can play. They yeah. just it's not about recruiting a body. I want to start to me with beyond quarterback, which obviously is a big need now. Is the the other position I think is incredibly important for Notre Dame to close out on, and that is receiver. I think right now, Sean. Notre Dame came into this class. They needed four numbers-wise, but on top of the four, they really needed to get impact players. And they've they've got two in the class, Braylon James and Rico Flores. They've got two on the board. They've got about a thousand. If this receiver class is going to be what it needs to be, they got about a thousand with the final two kids on the board, Jade Greathouse and Ronan Hannafin. Yeah, they got the about a thousand. Chancey Stuckey and the staff, they've done a really good job of building relationships. We know about the June visits and how well they went for both of those guys. Uh, Drake Bowen shared uh, with Irish Breakdown that his conversations with the parents of Ronan Hannafin were all about the decision that came down between him and Clemson. And there's some similarities there with some of the top schools that are on Ronan Hannafin's list that existed on Drake Bowen's list. Ronan and Drake, they had a conversation and the parents had a conversation with Drake's parents asking them what made the difference. And, you know, we've heard this before. We can talk about checklists and what you want as a parent, but ultimately, Ronan Hannafin is going to have the same feeling or make the same decision that Drake Bowen made. Tough decision. Mm -hmm. You like a lot of different staffs. You like a lot of different head coaches. But at the end of the day, it was the vibe and the feel between himself and, and Marcus Freeman at the time that was going to be his defensive coordinator but now as his head coach, it was the relationship and the vibe. 
that he got from him, not so much about football, but about how he was going to develop him as a young man. Mm -hmm. And those are some of the same decisions that are running through the mind of Ronan Hannafin right now. His Mm -hmm. parents can tell him and give him only so much advice. Ultimately, it's going to have to come down to that feeling he has. Things seem to be trending in a good direction for Notre Dame and his recruitment. And with Jaden Greathouse, my question, you know, he he's in I don't want to make it seem like he's less important because he might be the third guy to jump in the class at that position. When you watch him play and you watch how dominant he was, and I mean, look, he was catching passes from Kate Plutnik. So I mean it helps. He, had a, he had a pretty good quarterback. <laughs> so but just his mentality to go out, especially in a state so rich in talent and competition as Texas is to go out and have the mentality to want to dominate each and every week. Forget the talent. I want his mentality mm-hmm. in the wide receiver room. Right. If, if that makes sense. Because I think, yeah, it does, Sean. Yeah. It's, it, it's, I think that's kind of thing. We look at the current receiver crew and it's really been that way. It's been a concern of mine since really Chase Claypool was at Notre Dame in 19 and even before him and he kind of emerged into that. He wasn't that his first three years, you know, miles Boykin wasn't that guy. Miles was a good player, but he wasn't that, you know, I think the mentality you're talking about, which is I'm the baddest dude on the field mm-hmm. and I don't care who you put on me, the better the player, the better I'm going to be. It's just that, just that, you know, what, what there's a lot, you know, the dog, the alpha, whatever expression you want to use, just that dude. Yeah. Right. And, and yes, there are other guys that are taller and guys that are faster and guys that are better athletes, but there's nobody that just has that that plays with that mentality of I'm the baddest dude on this field mm-hmm. and there's nobody that can hang with me. And, and not in an arrogant type of way, but how you want a guy to be, which is he just believes that and nothing brings him more joy than showing that. And that's the key. So, yes, Sean, I think that that is such an important quality that this receiving core needs. And honestly, that is something that we don't talk about enough. You know, when you watch Braylon James play, when you watch Rico Flores play, Rico and Jaden have a lot of similarities in that neither are like elite athletes, uh-huh. but man, they're good. And they just make a ton of plays. And, and Jaden physically at 6'2", 210, with the attitude and the skills is the one guy in this class that I'm the most confident could come in and help out the day he steps foot on campus. And that is why receiver is so important. Not only do you need to re like kind of heal the depth chart with yeah. great house and Hannafin, but you need to, to somebody from this class is going to have to play as a freshman. Yeah. And, you know, assuming good health and assuming he picks Notre Dame on Friday, which, you know, he's still got to go out and do, he, he would provide that. And then on the flip side, Hannafin, is probably the most raw of the receivers right now, but he's arguably the best athlete of the group. And, and he brings such a dynamic athletic skill set to the position that he also is a huge need. And so it's like, they're both very important needs for different reasons. And, and I think, you know, for a long time, we've taken Hannafin's recruitment for granted just because Notre Dame was considered the leader for so long, but, you know, Clemson is making this, as I wrote in the the, the hot board article today on the front page at IrishBreakdown.com, you know, the longer this goes on, the more nervous I get about them being able to close out on Ronan Hannafin because Clemson is making this thing very difficult. And, you know, 
this is going to be a test for Chancey Stuckey because he's got to beat his alma mater, right? He's got to go prove that he can go to battle with his alma mater and and convince a kid that, no, the place he's at now was the best place for him, which is going to be very interesting. So this is certainly going to be a big test for Chancey Stuckey, Sean. But, look, they can't go 50-50. They, 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 they've no. got to get them both. That's Have the biggest thing. They've yeah. got – look, a, a, a three-receiver crew of Braylon James, Rico Flores, and then just one of Greathouse or Hannafin is really good. Yeah. But you fall short of your numbers. And and it's one fewer impact player that you're adding to the roster. They have to get both. I mean, that's the thing is you say, well, you know, if they they miss out, there's other guys. That, they're, they're, there's not going to be guys that they're most likely going to have a shot at anytime soon with the p- talent of the two kids that are left on the board, in my opinion. And I graded them both out as top 100 players, Sean. I don't know if you know how much you've dove into the film and kind of thought about where they should rank. But these are two top 100 players. Great house for his floor. Hannafin for his ceiling are both to me top hundred players. In my hey, you know, you and I we've discussed this. Like Hannafin was like from film, it's just one of those guys that just is really easy to fall in love with. You know, just the athleticism, the ease in which he moves around the field, versatility on offense at several positions. You know, you've seen him come out the backfield, you've seen him spread out, you've seen him in a slot. And then you go to the defensive side of the ball, you see him playing center field, then you see him blitzing off the edge. So many different things and so many different ways you can see him as a player at Notre Dame. And like you said, out of the entire wide receiver group, he might be the best athlete, which is absolutely amazing. And when Mm -hmm. you look at the list of his offers, you understand why. I understand, you know, the conference he plays in, I understand the talent and the competition might not be that of the same competition of Graydon Jade House or even Enrico Flores coming out of North California. But with all of that being said, the most important thing to remember is that Notre Dame has a chance to snag both of these guys. Mm -hmm. They have to. And when you're coming, I think it was, I'm sure we'll get to this, but it kind of leans on what Marcus Freeman said to the media back in March when he started talking about what he foresees as far as the roster moving forward. He doesn't look at first string, second string. He said he wants to have one A and one B. Mm-hmm. And we start to stack a class like this. It can have a class that they can snag both of these guys. Like you said, one of these guys is going to have to come in as a freshman. And at make least. Contribution. Yeah, Absolutely. At least one. And you would hope that if you could get two, that bodes well within itself. And then the start that they got with the 24 class just lends you to believe right. that the 24 class is going to class is even going to be another right. step forward and right. wide receiver recruiting. But it starts with closing out on these last two guys. Because you got to stack them all. I mean, this is a position more than any, arguably more than any other. You need to stack two classes in a yeah. row on yep. top of each other. And, yep. and the other thing, too, about when you look at Hannafin, too, Sean, is like, again, Flores and, and Greathouse are higher floor guys. I think another big reason why Hannafin has to be that fourth guy is because him and Braylon James would then add the ceiling. They would add the athleticism, the explosiveness. So you're getting a nice – we always talk about diversity, right? Mm-hmm. You need diversity in your re- receiver room. And when I look at this foursome, it would have a lot of diversity. You know, you'd have 
you know, the, 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 the athletic explosive guys in Braylon and Ronan Hannafin, you know, Hannafin, I think brings the, you know, some, some after the catch juice to the table. He brings some stretch the field juice that, that Braylon James also has, you know, you've got some strength there. Then you have a guy like Jaden Greathouse who can play all over the field. He brings size and physicality and precision and, you know, all those things at the table. Then Rico is sort of that technician, right? He, he doesn't have the size of Jaden Greathouse. He doesn't have the speed of the other guys. The cat just knows how to play and get open, right? So you're really bringing in a lot of a lot of carryover in regards to playmaking ability, but in completely different skill sets. And that's the thing to me that is important. And that's why, you know, Greathouse is incredibly important because he brings so much of the I know who that guy is to the mm-hmm. table and he can help us right now. Hannafin brings more of the that's just a flat out dude. I mean, he's just a flat out dude and you need that, right? Because you say, well, they got that in, in, in Braylon James. Well, what if Braylon doesn't pan out? What if he gets hurt? What if, what if they, he does pan out, but you need another one, right? I mean, mm-hmm. Alabama didn't say, well, we've got Jerry Judy. We don't need to keep recruiting Henry Ruggs and Devonte Smith, Smith, right? Not saying that these guys are going to be that, but that's the point, right? And I think the other thing too is his depth is so important and, and somebody – Somebody asked a question we'll get to that kind of ties into this, uh, Sean, is, you know, Notre Dame is also in a position where they're going to enter the 2023 season with right now four guys on scholarship from the current roster. And that's just, that's not even close to being enough. Because we saw what happened with Bama, right? I mean, they go into the, they lose Mechie. Mechie got hurt in, what, the first half of the SEC title game, right? And then Jamison, yeah. yeah. And then Jamison Williams gets hurt. It was pretty early in the second quarter, wasn't it? Second quarter of the championship game. Right. Yeah. And then so you're playing the, over half the game against the best defense in the country without your two dudes. And they just weren't in a position where the talent level was not the same. The experience level was not the same. And so, mm-hmm. you know, that's why you, you've got to have the numbers. And and like a defensive line, an ideal receiving core in today's game is one that can just throw waves at guys. Yeah. So if your corner's out there playing 70 snaps a game – I get into the fourth quarter on that last important drive, and he's got the legs of a guy that's played 60, 65 snaps already, and my receivers have the legs of guys that have played about 30 to 35 snaps. Guess who's running by who on a post route late in the game, you yeah. know, when, when a play is needed? And that's another reason why those guys are important. So Jaden Greathouse is going to make his decision on Friday. Ronan Hannafin has not set a date for his decision, and I, I genuinely believe he is in a position where – I think Notre Dame was the choice for a while, but there's a reason he hasn't made an announcement. There's a reason he hasn't set a date because I do think he's genuinely torn between Notre Dame and Clemson. Now, one of the questions from Ben Tarnowski, we'll do a Q&A at the end, but this one was relevant to the conversation. He said, would it be as big of a deal if to, to get three to four receivers in the class of recruiting at that, that position hadn't been so poor in recent seasons? No, it wouldn't be. And that's the whole point of why – you know, I think this 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 class is so important because if you get the four in this class, next year's class is every bit as important, but it doesn't have to be the same numbers. Now the numbers get higher because Lorenzo Styles breaks out and he leaves after his junior year, or or this or Deion Colsey does, right? Because you know, something goes awry and, and somebody's leaving or not awry. I mean, I think that would actually be an ideal situation. If Lorenzo's so good the next two years, he leaves for the NFL after junior year. That's right. a good thing for your program. But no, these next two years, I mean, impact talent's important because there's the two, there's the two needs that you're weighing, right, Sean? There's yeah. the numbers need in regards to filling out a depth chart, but then also you have to add impact players to help you go win a championship. And and so if Notre Dame had not been in a position where they were needing four 
Uh, or they may have still taken four because of the who the players are. But then next year, maybe it's only two or three, and you can focus on a smaller group of guys because it's not numbers anymore. It's impact talent. And that's ultimately where you want to get to is getting to the point where you're bringing in two to three receivers a year, but you're focusing on dudes because it's going to be like this. If you're going to come here and compete in this room, you got to be a dude. And I think that's that's where Notre Dame needs to get to. And they're they're not there right now from a number standpoint. Fortunately, Notre Dame got on some really talented players, and this class has a chance to be that. But again, to wrap up, Sean, that's why getting Hanif in a great house is so important because that group of four of James, I'm just going in order of when we expect them to commit, James, Flores, Great House and Hannafin would give Notre Dame the best of both worlds, numbers and impact talent. And I think that's the key for Notre Dame moving forward. I'm, there, there he is. So that, that's why it's that's why this class has a chance to really be uh, to turn the corner because of the, the combination of those two things. Yeah, I agree with you, Brian. And moving forward, the continuity of that class and what they bring, it gives you a different dynamic, but it's very similar to what Chancey Stuckey told Iris Breakdown back in March. The type mm-hmm. of class and type of room he wants to have, that would be the good foundation in his initial class. And then moving forward, you can build upon that, but the numbers definitely need to start being built up. Mm-hmm. Right. Another need. So there's, I think there can be a debate on the next need, Sean, and, and that's linebacker. And I think coming into the year, my thing was they only needed needed two. But I think because you signed, you know, you signed Prince Collie the year before, and you know, you you a lot of your guys from the 2019 class are red shirts. So, you know, they still have multiple years of eligibility left plus the COVID year. But and then you got four last year. But with Josh Burnham already moving to defensive end, I actually think three is the numbers need in this class. Whereas coming into it, I would have said two, but now I think it's three. So, so Jaden Greathouse went from a guy that you wanted because he's a heck of a football player to now he's both. He's, he's a want and a need. And he's kind of in that same category because I do think a third linebacker is needed in this class. And and Jaden Greathouse is the top guy on the board. And he's an incredibly talented player. You talk about Notre Dame fit, Sean, there aren't many kids on the board, in my opinion, that are better Notre Dame fits in the class and not in the class than Jaden Greathouse. I mean, excuse me, than Jaden Osbury. We love Jaden's the last two years of recruiting, don't we? I know, right? This, yes, <laughs> seriously. Seriously. But, no, exactly what you said. I remember we had a conversation about him and – it was the first time you saw his film and you were telling me how much you fell in love with his yeah. film. And I was like, okay. Even though he's small and undersized and yeah. 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 And so as the conversation moved on, I checked out his film. I'm like, okay, yeah, I can see this guy. I'm like, yo, I'm just watching this movement. And he's not like, at the point that we're watching his film, he's not one of the leaders on the team, but you can see he's a leader. Right. He's not one of the elder statesmen. Because at the time, he was a sophomore. When we first started Absolutely. watching this film, it was sophomore film. But it was you last watch summer. him and you're like, oh, he just moves different. And he has a commanding presence. And that goes back to what you talk about, being a fit at Notre Dame. He's a leader. Mm-hmm. He's a leader on the field. He's a leader off the field. He's the type of kid that you want to see get that interview prior to a big game on a big network. 
because you have full confidence he's going to portray everything that you want to hear from a right. Notre Dame football player right. mentality going into that game. So you think about that great fit. And at that point in time, we both were kind of hesitant to really give the staff a great chance to get him out of the state of Louisiana. Mm-hmm. But the more and more the staff talked to him and worked on him, we started to get feedback like, oh, okay. Yeah. This thing has a chance. Right. I mean, you're talking about a kid from Louisiana that's now made three trips to campus, two of them on his own dime. And, you know, he's got some he's got some good schools after him. Texas A&M's done a great job in his recruitment. His brother, Austin, signed with Auburn last year. as a, He's a true freshman at Auburn this year, so obviously they're going to be a factor. Uh, Michigan has made a, a big run at him. But I, I think he's that kid that Marcus Freeman told us early on, Sean, uh, is, you know, this is a, this is a guy that, you know, Coach Freeman is. We, we hearken back to this conversation that he had uh, when he was first hired. I think he was on with, uh, uh, with uh, I think it was Chris Zorch is when he did this interview. But he said, you know, look, that we're trying to we're trying to convince kids that we believe are Notre Dame kids. We have to convince them that they're Notre Dame kids. And I think Jaden Osbury to me is one of those kids that is a prime Notre Dame fit. But he needed a little bit of convincing. Uh, for him to believe that he was a Notre Dame fit. And I think that's kind of what they've done a great job of. Now it's about closing, right? Like I think right now, as of today, right now, July 11th, you know, 1.30 in the afternoon here in the in the East Coast, I think that Notre Dame is the leader for Osbury. But I would have said the same thing about Jason Moore a couple weeks ago. We just said the same thing about Dante Moore a month ago. It's You got to close, right? And, and, and I would have said it's a no-brainer that Ronan Hannafin picks Notre Dame a week ago. Now I'm – I think they lead, but – so they got to close, and that's going to be the difference between this class being a, a top two to three class, right, in that one to three range, or if it's going to be a four to five class. It's going to be a gap-closing class no matter what, but how much is they going to close the gap? Closing on on the two receivers and Jaden Osbury, to me, are as important as there is in turning this from a really good class to a truly great class. They have, And, they, and again, it's not like when well, you get two out of three, you got to get them all. I mean, that's where you are because you have – Look, they're taking some risks, Sean. I mean, yeah, there's not right. like we got one guy. They've backed off a lot of players to 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 show like, hey, Jaden, you're our guy. And hey, hey, Ronan Hannafin, like you're our guy. Hey, Jaden Greathouse, you're our guy. And and uh, you know, I think that's a positive. Somebody just said we need some momentum. And let, let me remind you all that a week ago they <laughs> capped off five commits in six days. I just want to remind people of that. Like, you know, um, but the point is. They've got to they've got to close right. So that's yeah. what the, that's what the truly elite recruiting operations do, is they close. They close on guys like this, and so that's the task for the staff. And and honestly, here's another instrument, Sean. This is a test for Al Golden's for Al Golden's recruiter. We mm. haven't really heard his name mentioned a lot because he when he came on, the class was kind of full. Yeah, you no, know, except you know corner who they were on some corners, and then you know one defensive lineman, but. I mean, for the most part, this class has been pretty close to being full. This is one of those ones like, okay, does Al Golden still have the re- recruiting chops he had back when he was at UVA and Boston College and places like that, you know, where he was he was known as a, a big-time recruiter as an assistant coach? This is the one that's going to tell us a little bit about, okay, where's Al Golden in that regard as far as being a recruiter? That's an important point. I never looked at it from that standpoint. I think, you know – I. We get caught up in recruiting, 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 recruiting. 
And the most important year is always the present year at that particular university. We could talk about 23 kids. We could talk about 24 kids. But in two and a half weeks, like the most important crew is mm-hmm. going to start fall camp and start preparing. Right. And their performance mm-hmm. is going to have something to do with retention yes. in both classes and continuing to expand or having the ability to expand right. and increase and make the recruiting even better right. in years to come. And so when you talk about that and you talk about how things can change and how the landscape can change in recruiting, and then you see a comment talking about we need momentum. Yeah. It's like, yo, look. <laughs> That's how the bar's been raised, though, right? Like, we, we they've, they've signed more kids in July and June than they ever have in a July yeah. and June before. Yeah. And it's – we're concerned about, you know, where's the, where's the moment. And it's understandable because again, they do need to close on these guys. Right. I mean, we could do the spin job of, Hey, this is still the best class they're going to have in a long time and blah, 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 blah. And that's, that, that'd be a heck of a spin job. And you and I could make that spin. Right. But we're not gonna, because they got to because they got to close on these guys. Right. And you know what I've come to realize this job has done so much for me because I realized strictly as a fan, Sitting back, I had a little bit of narcissism in me as far as my love for Notre Dame and being able to talk to kids, understand the decisions, have relatability of what I just went through with my daughter a couple of years mm-hmm. ago and what I went through when I was 17 and the, all of the th- deciding factors that led me to go to the school that I was that might have been outside of something that's Strictly black and white because mm-hmm. it, for Notre Dame fans, it's black and white. Like Notre Dame, what are you talking about? Notre Dame is the best school, the best of everything in college football, best education, best program. Why wouldn't you go to Notre Dame? It's a lot of factors these young men are dealing with. So when you deal with a kid, you know, like Osbury, you know, leaving Louisiana is is not to be taken lightly. Right. Like that's that's a that's a dad big deal. works at LSU. Yes, right. So Not that's, going that's to play deal. with his brother at Auburn is another, another tough decision. And then leaving New Baton Rouge for <laughs> South Bend, Indiana. Yeah, right. So like it, it that's where the closing part comes from. Right, yeah, Sean? and so and, that's where Al Golden comes into play. Right. You know, and like you said, he's one of the guys we really don't hear about a right. lot. But that might be one of the things we really need to, especially with the 24 kids, dig in on. Right. Because we'll hear about Coach Washington. We'll hear about Mike Mickens. But it's like, you know, what, what's, what's up with your relationship with Al Golden? You know, mm-hmm. and, and what has he instilled upon you the right. times that you had a chance to talk to him? But this is definitely going to be a show of whether or not he can close and, and get this young man. Because don't, you know what? Michigan is – this is the thing, Brian. It's okay for these kids to like different coaches at different schools. Mm-hmm. Like, and that's what I'm talking about. That's where the narcissism yeah. of a fan comes in. It's like, relax. Just because a kid likes someone at another school or likes right. another school, it's it's really okay. It's not a diss right. to Notre Dame for them to say, yo, I really love this coach. Mm-hmm. I really love this program. And just to understand that the processes that um, they're going through. And if you're going to be an elite recruiting school, I'm sure the coaching staff 
they're sitting there saying, hey, this is this is what it is. I think that's one of the greatest lessons that they'll take from the entire Dante Moore saga. Like, hey, man, this is this is what it is, you know, and now we learn from this situation. We learn that there's certain things we won't do, there's certain things moving forward we are going to do. And in closing for a kid like Osbury, or regardless of whether he chooses, you, you have to get him. But if he doesn't, you have to be able to, my grandfather said, did you learn anything? Like right. Every time something happened, he would say, did you learn anything? Because if you learn something, rest assured, you won't make the same mistake next time. So I, I just want Notre Dame to start learning things through victories. Yes. Sean, that's kind of where I'm at is like, you know, look, in, in one of the super chats we got from, from David Knight was, you know, Brian and Sean, when you have already told a specific recruit about the benefit of Notre Dame, how they fit, what is the last word that you share with them? I am perplexed. It's not so much the last word. It's just about really continuing that relationship with a kid like this. It's really helping him to be comfortable with the when of the decision as well as what the decision actually is. So there's a lot of relationships. A lot of times you may save something for the end if you need it. Like, you know, hey, look, here's here's this thing that's going on. But it really also includes being able to to go with the, the ebbs and flows of a recruitment. You know, and I think some of the some of the the losses that Notre Dame has had, it's it's it has been like maybe not handling or being prepared for some of that, you know, where this school came on with a hard charge late. And you didn't necessarily counter that. I think that's, you know, if, if you're going to say something happened with Jason Moore, I think that would be one thing I would say is something that you can learn from is like you had the pole position and you just tried to maybe ride it out as opposed to maybe being a little bit more proactive with him prior to certain visits and things like that. So, you know, I think there's always things you can learn there, but it's it's really just about staying ahead of that momentum. You know that, you know, if, if, if you hear – if you hear things about from your sources about he's saying this about that school, being prepared to kind of have an answer for that. And then sometimes being having, having answers before, for, before the questions are even answered. It's also about listening, listening to the young man. When you talk to him and you engage with him, what, what is, if you don't know what's holding him up right now, and this is not just about Jane Osbury, it's about all any kid. If you don't know why he is being held up right now, then you're not doing your job as a coach and a recruiter. Because you need to have that kind of relationship where you know what those concerns are. You've got to, you've got to be willing to, because it, what it tells me is your relationship isn't to the point where that kid feels he can be open with you about whatever things are concerning him. And that that's where that's where I'm, you know, I'm a little bit concerned about the the Ronan Hannafin recruitment with Jaden Osborne. I think the re, I think the relationships are there. I think with him, it's just more about helping him feel comfortable with make it's because it's one thing to know this is where I want to go. And it's another thing to then tell everyone else that that's where you want to go. I think that's what's happening with Peyton Bowen. I think Peyton Bowen wants to come to Notre Dame. I just think there's a lot of other coaches that he's cool with and he doesn't necessarily want to just tell them, stop calling me. Yeah. You know, yeah. cause he likes those relationships and yeah. they're good people and all yeah. that kind of stuff. And that's what I think happens. And so I think that's where Notre Dame is with Jaden Osbury. It's just, Hey, look, it's time to, you know, like you said, it's time you're a leader. It's time to be a leader step up and say, Hey, you're going to help us get this thing done. Right. And uh, you know, that's kind of where that and they're high school kids, right? Right. They're high school kids. And as much as we want them to be adults and make sound decisions, guess what? 
they're high school kids. They don't right. always make the best decisions. But, you know, I I just have so much profound respect for these young men because they go through a lot. Yeah. A lot. And the, and they're they're talking to coaches who are paid six figures mm-hmm. to be good at convincing them, you know, it's like to come play for them. And so that's part of it too. Let's talk about the last position, Sean, that is a need for Notre Dame. The last position that is a need for Notre Dame is quarterback. Uh, count me out of the group of people saying that they're okay if they don't get a quarterback in this class. Count me out completely for two reasons. Number one is I, I don't think the depth chart can sustain that because I don't think it's a guarantee that Drew Pine will be back next year. I'm not saying that I've heard – I know I have no information about that at all. Uh, in regard to, you know, somebody told me he may leave. I'm just looking at this practically. As someone who follows college football, Drew Pine at the end of this year will have his degree from Notre Dame. He will still have three full seasons of eligibility remaining. And he will have, if the season ends the way we expect it to end, he will have someone with two whole years of eligibility remaining in front of him at quarterback. You can't guarantee me that Drew Pine, maybe I'm saying, I'm not saying Drew's going to be gone, but you definitely can't assume that he's going to be back either. And you have to be prepared. Reason number two, Sean, is this is an incredibly deep and talented quarterback class. You can't strike out in this class. You can't. Like uh, like Ohio State, for example, could I think maybe go without a quarterback in this class because they signed a really good quarterback in 22 in Devin Brown, and they've got a, a C.J. Carr comparable player in 24 in Diamond Rail. And Notre Dame, to me, with Steve Angeli, isn't necessarily in that, in that clue, but in a year ahead of Devin Brown was Kyle McCord, right? So, like, they have had more consistency recruiting. And then the year before Kyle McCord was C.J. Stroud. So, even though Ohio State's not trying to strike out a quarterback, they would be in better position to handle striking out a quarterback. Notre Dame is not in that position, in my opinion. They have to get a quarterback. They have to take advantage of this of this talented of this talented year quarterback, and that includes, you know, getting one of the guys that's on the board now, uh, or you know, flipping someone down the road. And you know, so so now the other thing too is you can't just bring in a guy for a body. You got to bring a guy that can play. And from my conversations uh, with different sources, it sounds like Notre Dame is very much looking at it at is if we're going to go after a kid, he's got to be a kid that we think can play. He's got a, a kid that we think can compete with Tyler and can compete with CJ and be that guy. Right. And that's smart because you can't just assume CJ Carr's not going to get hurt, is going to keep developing. I mean, we've seen five-star quarterbacks not pan out. I think CJ Carr is going to pan out, but we don't know that yet. We haven't seen anything beyond his sophomore year of high school. You can't assume that. And to me, um, that is an important piece. So I was happy to hear that when they when they are looking at quarterbacks in 23, they're looking for guys that say, hey, you know, that guy, if, the, if that guy's number gets called, he can lead us to a championship. And I think that's very, very important. Very important in this. You're just setting the standard moving forward, right? We talked about the quarterback room having to be one of those rooms that had to be changed mm-hmm. moving forward. And regardless of the loss of the guy that you pretty much had pegged from day one and targeted and said, this is our guy, not to, you know, to swing and miss, but then be able to go ahead and say, you know what? You wrote a great article on three of the guys to look at. And, you know, I am, I was actually hearing some good things about the Minchie kid, mm-hmm. you know, from Elite 11. To, from right. the Elite 11. I was hearing some really good things about him during that week. 
And then the Novosad kid was something that, you know, we had heard an anticipation of, you know, what was to come mm-hmm. ultimately on Friday and what took place. So with him already being committed to Baylor, um, that's the one on our coaching staff that happens to be uh, the wide receiver coach that probably knows a little <laughs> bit about the kid. Right. His makeup has probably had a conversation with him when he visited the campus. There's a Notre Dame commit and a potential soon commit mm-hmm. who have played in seven on seven with him and have with him. worked out with him and things like that too. Right? Yeah. So that's that connection. And like you said, the way you describe, I mean, you, you have a way with words, my friend. Okay. Whether it's via your pieces or on the phone where you will urge someone to immediately go look at. <laughs> right. So, like I said, the buzz that was coming out of elite 11 and then to read your article, everyone go check it out. I'm like, okay, I got to see this Minchie kid like right now. And you're right. Like when you see easy arm talent, mm-hmm. it's like, wow. It's like, wow. It doesn't look like he's st- – and we're and Ryan and I are going to kind of dive into the film room tomorrow. That's what tomorrow's focus is going to be on is like yeah. diving into the film room of these guys. But what you'll see tomorrow, Sean, is it doesn't look like he's throwing it real hard. No. And then it just it just goes 55 yards and drops over top of a guy. <laughs> and you're like, okay, wow, okay, that's interesting. Um, yeah, he, he is a – he is a – if you have listened to me over the years talk about quarterbacks I like, and quarterbacks I grew up watching, and whether it's John Elway or Woody Dance or Joe Hamilton, or there's the theme, right? It's I like the dual threat guys. You know, it's just it's just I've you know I've always been that kind of guy, and I just like game. I just like playmakers. And the thing I it, the thing I like about Kenny Minch is he fits that more because he's not a runner, right, Sean? You see it from he's not a runner. He ran for like 130 yards and three touchdowns last year, but he's a mobile guy that can make plays on the move. Like there's a difference between. Pat Mahomes and Josh Allen. Pat Mahomes, they're both really good athletes, but Pat Mahomes uses athleticism to set up his arm. Right. And Josh Allen will take off and run. Yeah. And to me, you know, like that that's that's the difference, right? And and so when I look at a Kenny Minchie, he's in that latter category or the the former cat the latter category of when he moves around, it's to fi- it's by time to throw. Brock Glenn, the other kid on the board, Sean, has probably got the – I mean, not probably. He has the best arm of all of them, right? Yeah. He's a little bit more raw. Uh, I don't think he processes information quite as quickly as Minchie and Novasad. And that's something I've heard about Minchie too is uh, talking to some different sources that know him is a kid's apparently like wicked smart, like, mm-hmm. on, like on the board and, you know, with football and things like that. So that adds to it as well. And I think that's something they're looking for. That's a very important trait for a quarterback at Notre Dame is – this has got to be a guy that can process information incredibly high level. And that was not a strength for Ian Book. That was not always a strength for Deshaun Kaiser. You know, it, it it's not it was it's not it it is a strength, in my opinion, of of Tyler Buckner. I think that's one of the underrated aspects of his game. But their thing is, is we need a guy that can really be a thinker. I think that's why they liked Jack Cohn as much as they did. You didn't have the physical, the great physical tools, but kid knew how to run the offense and you know so from my conversations with different sources it sounds like the thing that Nerdham likes about Novasad and Minchie beyond their physical tools is these are really smart kids that know the game they can process information you watch their film they're anticipating I mean Novasad who also doesn't have like a bazooka for an arm 
throws a beautiful deep ball, by the way. Yeah. But he'll throw the ball in between three people. And there's like, there's one particular play where he throws in the middle of the field. And I'm like, who the heck is he throwing to? And then just bam, it hits a guy, right? There's a play on Menchie's highlights where he just throws the ball. He's like run, he's like stepping left. There's a defender here and a receiver here, right? He throws the ball out here. And you're like, what's he doing? And then you just see the receiver kind of run into it out in space. That's a feel for the game that you need to have that I think Notre Dame values over elite arm talent or arm strength, excuse me, uh, elite athleticism, running ability. It's that. That's what made them fall in love with Tyler Buckner. The running stuff was just sort of like a, oh, well, that's nice. We like that too. Uh, Tyler showed impeccable timing and anticipation, ability to read a defense, and that's something they like about these kids as well. And that's got to be a key for Notre Dame is they're, they're going to have to find kids that really can process the game well. And from what I'm told, that's a strength of Novosad and Minchie's games big time. That's one of the things I heard coming out of the Elite 11 mm-hmm. is that normally it was very tiered. You know, when you have two or three guys that were head and shoulders above everyone else, and then it would be a drop-off. This year, everyone I know that attended was just like, yo, three, four years, this could be a heck of a first round in an NFL draft. Mm-hmm. And there are like 10 teams that are getting really good quarterbacks. Like, mm-hmm. So, you know, you have to think about it. When you go yeah. and you can get it, you can get in after losing what you lost to be able right. to still get in on arm talents. There are players like yeah. these three. You still have to feel good. You're in a fortunate look. We're not going to sit here and say these guys are better than Dante Moore. We're not saying that. We don't. We don't play that game here. Mm-hmm. What we're saying is, is it's like when they lost Will Shipley. I didn't think that what Logan Diggs or Audric Estime were better than Will Shipley. We never played that game. The question is, but you have to focus on what you landed, not what you lost. And they have a chance still to land a really good football player. And that's the key. And, and yeah, it won't be what you thought it could be, but you did get CJ Carr in 24. So you got a stud quarterback. Now it's time to go get another really good kid to improve the depth chart. And that's what Notre Dame is working on. The, la- the last recruiting question that we're going to get to here is we have some questions about, um, let me go up here to the starred questions. Uh, timeout, Tom asked about Ben Minich. So Ben Minich is a uh, kid from Ohio. He's a 2023 safety that Notre Dame is looking at. They have not offered him yet. I don't know if they will offer him. I think if they are, you'll see something happen somewhat soon. He's going to visit this weekend or not this weekend, but next weekend we anticipate him being on campus the weekend of the 26th. Um, so, you know, Sean, look, he, he's a, uh, it's actually not a weekend. It's um, I think the 26th is like a, it's not like a Tuesday. Tuesday or Wednesday, something like that. Um, but they're having a, an event, a recruiting event that day. Yeah, he, He's a nice player. He's a, he's a nice film. I just, I don't see it. I just, you know, I mean, if I guess my frustration is I'm going to do the opposite of what I said earlier. If you needed a third safety in this class and you you had to have one, and if you weren't going to get Caleb Downs, you, you needed to recruit someone else, you should have stayed involved with like King Mack and guys like that this whole time. You, you yeah. know what I mean? Instead of moving on. I mean, King Mack just flew up and committed to Penn State. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's a kid that runs a 10-600 in Florida. He's from St. Thomas Aquinas in Fort Lauderdale. Yeah. You know, and 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 so, I mean, Ben Minch is a, is, a, is a nice player. But, like, to me, when I see the film, Sean, I see a Purdue kid. I see an Indiana kid. Now, I'll say this. I've talked to some people that say, yeah, we thought that way about his film. 
that's why he doesn't have an offer. But he came to camp and really wowed people at camp. So is there the potential that he could improve? Yes, but I can only evaluate what I know. Mm-hmm. And we've seen this before where kids on junior film just like, uh, I don't think so. And then they break out. Remember Taylor Dever? He yes. had terrible junior film. I mean, he had like, you know, like San Jose State junior film. But then as a senior, he got bigger, stronger, became a Notre Dame caliber player, and eventually comes on, you know, becomes a multi-year starter at Notre Dame. And, and, and obviously, you know, we we always think about his family and, and pray for his family and all that t- stuff since he's passed. But, you know, that's a kid that jumps on my head of that kid who was like not – he wasn't not, – not only was he not a Notre Dame caliber player as a junior, I don't think he was a San Diego State caliber player as a junior. But kids just get better. So maybe that's Ben Minich, and, and I'll be open to that. But I can only evaluate what I see. I didn't see him at camp. I only saw junior film, and the junior film that I saw is not a kid that brings a ton of value. I saw people say, like, he's fast and he's good special teams player. I'm just – I'm not recruiting a guy who – to just be a special teams player. I'm recruiting dudes that will also then go play – like, Nolan Ziegler is going to be a great special teams player. But he's also a guy that can start a linebacker and be a, a player for you on defense, right? Yeah. He's a dude yeah. Yeah. that, you know, Prince Colley's that way, right? Jalen Sneed is that way. Those are the guys I want running down on special teams, right? Not necessarily him. And and so now, again, I'll be open to his film being better as a senior, obviously. But just what I see right now, Sean, um, he's a nice, good football player, but not someone who who I believe is is a guy that I would – take because if you take him now that's one you know i'd rather use that for next year yeah and try to get a third safety next year in my it's, opinion. it's funny i'm glad his name came up ryan and i actually had a conversation early this morning about this young man and like you said you know i think all three of our eyes see the same thing you know but i mean that's what it is to be notre dame you know you can afford to to look at the film and say you know what let's bring him in let's watch him work out and you know maybe he wows you know there's some kids that we saw great film on them and we thought highly of them they showed up at the invasion and it was like "Mm." you know when you watch them in person it's like oh man i expected them to be a little be a little bit faster or to be able to do do this a little better or do that a little better so it's not an exact science when it comes to recruiting and that's one of the cool things about being able to get kids in front of you watch them and uh Ultimately, you know, let your eyes be your your best tester. When when there's a danger in that too, Sean, because we have seen kids earn scholarships at camp mm-hmm. with great camp workouts, and then guys not have good camp workouts. Yeah. For example, um, you know, Notre Dame had George Karloftis in camp one year, and you know, watched him play and came away saying, yeah, it's not really, you know, not really a guy. He does, he's a little too tight-hipped and all this other kind of stuff. Had really good film, but they they made the decision that, nah, you know, he he's not a guy for us, right? And they decided not to recruit him. Yeah. Okay. Well, then a year before that, Paul Mawala is on campus and we're going to offer him, and he has a great camp. They offer him, and he became a really nice special teams player, but that yeah. was it. That was it. Right. So, so, you know, we've seen Ashton White, another guy that earned a scholarship at camp, you know, guy I liked, he had some injury issues. So the situation is a little bit different, but he was never like the the level that you'd expect. You know, he's not Micah Bell and Christian Gray. So it, that's the danger. It's kind of like the NFL scouting combine, you know, like if the film tells you one thing and that individual workout with no pads on tells you another thing, which one do you weigh more? And so that's why to me is like, I, I would, I would personally, I'd want to see him play a game or two. 
That's what I said to him. Hey, look, let's get you on campus for, you know, third game. Let's get you on campus for, um, you know, for Cal. We really want to get you on campus that weekend. You know, like we like you a lot. Let's get you on campus. Cause it's not like he has an Ohio state offer and some of those bigger offers where you're worried about that as much. You know, we just want to see you play a couple games. And then if the first couple games you see on film, what you saw at camp, then, then make yeah. that move. Yeah. That would be my thing. Yeah. Uh, but you know, I heard like last year when they offered to Don Schuler, I said at the time, like, look, uh, he's a nice player on film. He's, you know, he's, but I got to, you know, but I heard he did much better at camp. We'll have, and then he went out on film that as a junior, like, okay, yeah, I see what they're saying now. Right. Uh, so maybe that's going to be the same thing with Ben Minich. So Is that the year for most kids, like second to third year in high school? Usually, usually some yeah. will make it junior to senior. Uh, but usually you'll see that big jump junior. You'll see like a real big jump from sophomore to junior and then another jump from junior to senior. That's usually not as big. Right. But yeah, especially with athletes, because because that's when they kind of, you know, they, they go from like 14 as you know, in during high school. And then, you know, by the time they're juniors, they're 16, 17. And now they're much closer to being men, you yeah. know, so you see the the strength and all those type of things start to fill out. And that's what we saw from Adon Schuler. He was always really smart. I mean, you can see that from sophomore films. Like, man, this kid's wicked smart. He's just not a great athlete just yet. And it's like, but yeah, he had a great workout at camp. And so, well, let's see if it projects to film. And then you watch Adon as, as a junior, like, okay, yeah, this is, this guy can flat out play. Yeah. And so, because the athleticism caught up to the instincts and that would be my thing. The one thing I, I do think Ben Minich is a pretty smart football player. He's a good athlete. He just, you just when there's just not, there wasn't a time where I watched him play. I was like, oh yeah, that's a guy that Notre Dame's got to have, you know. So I just I'm gonna I, I, I but again I'm gonna be open minded to see the senior film, one way or the other. I mean I'm open minded for kids I like, and then I watch their senior film. I was like, yeah, it wasn't as good as I thought it was gonna be, or he didn't take the jump, or he took a step back, or there was a kid that Ohio State signed a few years ago. Remember Josh Myers? Yeah. He ended up being a really good player. I mean, he's good a player. multi-year starter, like yeah. fourth or fifth round draft pick. And uh, actually, where was he drafted? I, I, he wasn't a first round pick. I'm trying to remember where he where he was where he was drafted. But you know, the thing about him, Sean, is is he was a second round pick, late second round pick. I remember watching him as a sophomore, I'm like this is one of the best young linemen I've ever seen in my life. But he just, as he got older, he got his hips got tighter, his feet got a little slower, and he ended up, you know, and he was a tackle then. And then he ended up moving inside. Now he's like a center in the NFL, right? I mean, yeah. that guys guys change. And so he was a guy that – and he was still good. Don't get me wrong. He was still like a top 100 to 120 player, no question about it. It just – when I watched him play as a sophomore, I was like, this kid is a an elite, elite player. Uh, when you watch Ronnie Stanley as a sophomore, you're like, nope. <laughs> nope. <laughs> right? But then he becomes, you know, what he became. So I'll, I'll always be open to the event. Does that make the offensive line one of the most difficult positions to jam yeah. on? Yeah. Yeah. Because sometimes the misses you usually have are they'll miss on guys that are like 6'5", 320, that just bully people. Right. And they'll overlook the feet or the fact that they have tight hips and all, you know what I mean? Um it's the guys like the Joe Alts that you tend to miss on. Right. Because yeah. he's like, he's yeah. 225 when you first started talking to talking about him, you know right. what I mean? Right. Um, it, it's, you know, that, that to me is, but yeah, I think that's a position probably where you see most of the misses overhyping guys. Cause how dominant their film. I saying it's about, you gotta, you, it's not about how dominant your film is. I, I remember watching Amir Carlisle's film in high school and he was dominant at the Kings Academy, but it was like, yeah, but you look at who he's playing and it just, 
what he's getting away with in high school doesn't project to the next level. Yeah. You've got to be able to evaluate how that projects. And it's not the competition that's the problem. It's your ability to evaluate of what he's doing against that competition. Can it project? And so I liked Amir Carlisle, but it was not as a running back. I was like, he's, he's too small. He's not gonna be able to do those things he's doing in high school as a running back at the next level. Yeah. You see the athleticism and all that, but just the position fit was not there. And that's why he ended up, he started as a running back at USC and then at Notre Dame, but he just wasn't, he wasn't going to be that guy at the next level. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done.